the GameCube, GameCube was cool. Hosted by Mike Lane and Neil Gilbert. Okay, well, uh, just to follow up from last week, I do owe Marty a huge apology. Uh, after the episode was recorded, he texted me right away to say, you know, I can't believe that you don't own any Nickelback CDs. <laughs> and then he told me to listen to whatever one we were listening to. I think it was All the Right all Reasons. All the Right Reasons, that's right, yeah. Yeah, and I listened to about half of it before I just couldn't anymore. <laughs> um, I just... But that, that album did have some good songs on it. It had, uh, you know, like it had Rockstar, it had Photograph, it had Saving Me. Those were good songs back in the day. Uh, but I owe him an apology because I do actually own a Nickelback CD. Oh, can I guess? Sure. Okay, let's see. Nickelback. Now, this doesn't count Sean's CD collection because he owns... He my, has Creed. For, Sean has Creed. Sean has uh, Theory of a Dead Man. I wouldn't be surprised if there's a trap CD somewhere over there, but his his room has got those. He likes that type of music, and I love it. Makes me love him a little bit more. Okay, so I'm gonna narrow it down to three albums, and I'll see if any of these three albums. I'll tell you if you. I'll tell you if one of those is right, and then you can cut it down from there. Okay, so I'm gonna say it's either Dark Horse, Here and Now, or Curb. It's neither of those. It's not No Fixed Address. No, I don't even know what that is. What is this? (laughs) Feed the Machine, The Long Road. There you go. That's the one. Yeah, I got The Long Road when I was uh, about nine years old. It was one of the first CDs I ever got as a gift. It was, for, it was from my granddad at Easter. I don't know <laughs> if if that was one of those gifts that, like, your parents picks out and then they say, it's from granddad. I <laughs> yeah. think that – because I can't see my Irish granddad I know, picking that's out what Nickelback, thinking, The yeah. Long Road, um, like Belfast granddad. Okay, so I'm looking on here. But I had that – I had that, and I like that album. Like, it, it's it's got Someday on it – or not Someday. Yeah, uh, yeah it has Someday. Yeah, someday, that's, that's, that's the, the name. one. That's the only song I know off here. That's the song, yeah. Everybody jokes that every other song sounds like that. <laughs> Classic Kelly Clarkson song "Because of You" is on here. It's uh, <laughs> because of you. Yeah, how did that make it over there? It's, it's not. It's it's their own, I guess, "Because of You," which is not a, a cover of "Because I, of You." I don't think so. I don't even remember how that song oh, goes. Oh, oh, wow. Okay, uh, "Because of You" is on the MX versus ATV Unleashed soundtrack. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't talked about that that game yet. That's no. a later GameCube extreme <laughs> sports game, of course. Their stuff was really heavy, though. Like, I put on All the Right Reasons, and, like, it, it starts off, like, really hard rock, but uh, th- th- I just couldn't make it through the whole album. Um, no, and really no one can. No. it's Their hits do get stuck in your ears, though. You got to admit, like, those, yeah, those are earworms for sure. Yeah. So there's, a, uh... there's, there's an entire – sorry, one more point. There's an entire <laughs> verse in Photograph that was not in the radio edit, I guess, because I, you know, that's how I know that song is the radio. And there's an entire verse about going to an arcade and then burning it down. So I guess that they couldn't have that on the radio, <laughs> burning down buildings. Interesting. But just to bring it all back to video games. Thank you. Yeah, I thought that would be a good segue <laughs> into a video game podcast. Do we have some Neil fun facts for the week? We usually get those every week. Last week was good. We learned about you 2 a little bit more. And I think we kind of understood how small we are in this universe. Yeah, I, I can I can always give you a point on how small you are in the universe if you wanted, but I, I think that the Nickelback facts today is enough. Also, uh, we had a lot of great feedback from Marty's gaffe last week. Oh, good. Yeah, that was definitely my favorite part of the episode was uh, the Disney. I think it's my favorite part of the podcast so far. Yeah, last week was definitely the most fun that I've had recording an episode so far. <laughs> yeah, we had a, we had some really good uh, good feedback and a few people who are not podcast people, but they really want to listen to it. 
because they just want to hear that uh, that long pause and then marty say i think i have the wrong game <laughs> yeah that was great and i looked into that game after the episode just out of curiosity mm-hmm. because i don't remember us even sifting through that game that must have been one night when you were looking through the list without me um but i went online thinking like oh maybe i'll pick this game up uh for cheap like it can't be that expensive it'll be something to talk about in the next episode it's mm-hmm. like 50 bucks oh what oh. yeah it's it's a, it's not a cheap game it must have really picked up a following it actually maybe looks it like did... a not terrible game that's the thing right because it actually has the, at least the pixar characters in it Yep, and Tarzan and stuff like that, mm-hmm. but uh, it doesn't fit, like, the music in the game does not fit the aesthetic of the game. Like, is, the graphics. Is it also happy new metal? Yeah, like, it's skate punk and new metal and, like, Papa Roach or, what, like, that type of music, but then there's just Tarzan surfing in the jungle on some kind of a piece of wood. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't fit. Like, they, they probably should have just had maybe skate punk covers of Disney songs or maybe just put the Disney songs straight up in it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, having he was right, like MXPX or whatever, Simple Plan, like they're they're there. You were stunned at that, and I can't believe you didn't know that. To be to be honest, yeah, I'm surprised that Simple Plan made it into a a video game that I did not play. Uh, that that's really weird because I, I associate them with Scooby Doo. Yeah, me too. Everything. Yeah, yeah, they're they're Scooby Doo's house band. With Scooby Doo leading us into this episode, let's uh, let's talk about it. Welcome to episode seven of the GameCube Was Cool podcast. Wow. I'm your co-host, Michael Lane, joined as always by Neil Gilbert. Hello. And we're going to be talking about the best-selling game on the GameCube, the one that we've all been waiting for. It's December 2nd, 2001. Three games have just come out. Pikmin, Super Smash Bros. Melee, and SSX Tricky. That's a good day. You can probably figure out what the best-selling game on the console is just with that list. SSX Tricky is a close 55th uh, game selling on the, on the console, I think. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but in all seriousness, though, that is a really bloated day to have everything out. It was all December 2nd? All December 2nd. Bloated day, also bloated month. You know, GameCube yeah. was released November 18th. You know, True. we're only uh, two and a half weeks past that right now. Yeah, that's crazy. They didn't understand really to, I guess, maybe they had to make some money. They had to push games out, had to sell the console for that holiday. But yeah, uh, Super Smash Bros. Melee, like you said, it uh, came out December 2nd, developed by HAL Laboratory. Games director was Masahiro Sakurai, the legend. The legendary Sakurai, who has not stopped working since 1999. He hasn't taken a day off since. Uh, yeah, the N64 version, this was the sequel to an N64 Super Smash Bros., which came out two years previous. So Two and a half, so there's a, a bit, of, bit of time. I think April 1999 was when it came out in North America. A bit, yeah, but think about now. That would be like if right now we're on Super Smash Bros. 5, that would basically be like a new Smash Bros. game is coming out this year. Yeah, an interesting fact with that too is that the N64 version and the GameCube version use very different engines. There wasn't a lot of trade-off between the two. GameCube was, you know, for lack of a better term, built from the ground up. Mm-hmm. Uh, while Melee de Brawl was almost like a port a lot of the stuff was still used from the hell laboratories uh, staff okay they used a lot of the same assets so the things were already in place and that was a six year seven year period right between the two so mm-hmm. that's uh that yeah very telling and just incredible the amount of work that this team did to create melee yeah it was a quick turnaround time from the first super smash bros game uh, sakurai said he he lived in his office during the development of this game you can tell oh, yeah. you can tell that this was definitely not a labor of love completely it was definitely just straight up labor 
Uh, but yeah, it sold in the end 7.41 million copies, which is a 30% attach rate for the console. Every three GameCubes, there was one copy of this game sold, which is crazy. That's, That's incredible. It's yeah. wild. Nowadays, you, you don't see that too much except on Ninten Nintendo consoles, like games like Breath of the Wild and uh, Mario Kart 8 selling like 60 to 70% attach rates, which is... It's almost like not even a video game anymore. Like, like video games on PlayStation and Xbox might successfully would be like 15 to 20% attach rates. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It would be. That's that's probably the highest you could go for those. Yeah. Other than maybe a GTA or something. And uh, Yeah. And also with this game, th this was announced at E3 2001 when the GameCube, also known as the Dolphin, was revealed. The, the, this game was mm -hmm. also revealed. So that's a really quick turnaround time as well. E3 is traditionally in June. And then it was released about six months later in December. Yeah, yeah. So that's really quick. Not Again, the internet wasn't around. We didn't have all these hype videos and YouTube compilations to accompany games. So really, you had magazines or something like that. So games were announced and typically released within that year. Yeah, no, it's true. I was looking at the case of this game and the, Ooh, the that's manual. That's nice. Can you, can you make that sound again? That's a yeah. nice sound. Like, can you, like, right, right to the mic? Oh, 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 that's good. Dude, the, want... the, the sound spike is huge on that. <laughs> I'm looking at the little line there, and it's like yeah. it, it maxed out. Oh, but it's such a nice sound. Oh, man. Yeah, maybe, maybe that'll be a good way to fall asleep. It's like Sounds of the Rainforest, but GameCube. But no, the, the manual in this case is meaty. It's heavy. Like it's the box itself is heavy because of the manual. I noticed that too. Because yeah. they have to explain. They have to explain to you how the game. Like I read it. And it's not exciting. Like they're explaining to you how the game works. Like what buttons to push. Because <laughs> they have to. The game was broken, right? So they have to explain to people how to play and you know try and make it look like that everything was designed on purpose. How do I play this crazy game? <laughs> yeah, exactly. What is even happening in here? Oh, and. And joining us right now is Mr. Daniel Kerr, an expert on the Super Smash Bros. Melee topic. Dan, how are you today? I am doing... Well, to be honest, I'm kind of tired. <laughs> <laughs> Honesty is good. But you, you know what? You, for the general public, I'm good. <laughs> That's good. Good. Good to hear. Uh, well, uh, we just had a little episode intro. We were talking about Melee just for a couple minutes there before you joined. And we were also talking about Nickelback uh, as well, which is... A fine pairing indeed. <laughs> It's like wine and cheese. <laughs> Surprisingly, Nickelback is not featured on the Super Smash Bros. Melee soundtrack. Not even Photograph? <laughs> no, this game this game predates Photograph by a little while, unfortunately. But I'm sure that if Sakurai could go back and, and add DLC to this game, it would definitely be a Nickelback stage. I definitely <laughs> need to work, work on my Nickelback lore. That's, that's, uh... so, yeah. so Nickelback does have an album before 2001 i think i think 1999 was what curb or silver, silver side, side up, up? Or one of them. yeah yeah <laughs> Jeez, the fact that you knew that right away <laughs> how you remind me or something like that i think that was on silver side up yes i think so. yeah that sounds right i'm just gonna say yes and i don't want to look it up because i don't want to spend unironically a banger <laughs> anyway with that smash bros dan smash bros this is what we invited you for. So we introduced the game already, just the release date, its reception, obviously very positively received, almost unanim unanimously. Edge Magazine, which I don't know much about them, they gave the game a 6 out of 10, so those guys. <laughs> um, Jeez. Yeah, that was the lowest review I found on the game from a reputable source. What did, what did Playboy Magazine give this game? <laughs> For those of you that don't know, last week we reviewed BMX XXX, the only GameCube game reviewed by Playboy. Are you but, telling me that they 
the the GameCube had an uncensored version of a game. Yes. So yeah, we were talking about that last episode. We were we were flabbergasted. We couldn't understand why. Like it did <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. It made it to the states and Europe. Europe didn't bother censoring anything. Just the <laughs> PS2 in the states did. So Europe were like, no, it's fine. But in America, like some companies were just like, mm, something's off here. Yep. Yep. Nothing was censored in Melee though. Surprisingly, mm-hmm. everything is a okay for a teen rating. So. There you go. So I remember my mom didn't want me to get this game. And because, yeah, because it had a teen rating. I, I didn't have a GameCube yet, but I wanted the game. You know how kids are. Kids want the game before they actually have the system. They don't understand that they need the system <laughs> to go with the game. So I remember playing this with my friend Nathaniel, who's going to join the podcast later on. And I was like, oh my God, this is the best game ever. And I go to my mom and I'm like, I want this game. She's like, well, first of all, you don't have a GameCube and we're not getting you one. So it's like, okay, fair. <laughs> and second of all, it's rated teen. And like, you know, to a parent, I guess teen is bad. And because I am an eight-year-old. So, I mean, I guess that's fair. But uh, a little baby can't be a teenager. Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I always thought it was weird that Smash was rated teen. They all are. Now they're rated E10, maybe. Because that E10 didn't exist uh, before. That's a very fair point. It seems like a risky move to to have your ESRB rating be teen for mm-hmm. like a, a party game targeted for younger folks. And do you know why it would have been teen, Neil? Like, do you, do you have any insight on that? Sure. Uh, it does say on the back of the box, teen, 13 plus, comic mischief, mild violence. So it's just because of violence. Having having characters exploding, hit with bats, hit with hammers. Um. But see, I'd argue that there's games that are way more violent that that had an E rating, or at least like even like the like I think of some of the movie tie-ins, you know, that uh, that almost universally all got E ratings. I guess because it, it also has guns. Like you know, you have laser guns. I think once you have guns in games, especially mm-hmm. back then, you really had to pretty much give it the T rating. Mm-hmm. Fox has his laser gun. Um, you can pick up the bazooka guns and things like that. You so. know what? I, I, bet, I bet it is the guns, to be honest. Because yep. we, we were talking about that, again, last episode, with how the guns kind of made everything, especially at that time, that kind of bumped the rating system up for across the board. Yeah. Um, my earliest memory of the game is that I didn't have a GameCube in 2001, obviously, so I was still playing N64 Smash Bros. But one of my good friends at the time, uh, uh, his name was Dan. They were not, not you, Dan. <laughs> Sorry. You're the new Dan. <laughs> I went over to his house to play it because he got the GameCube at launch, and then he got this game, I'm assuming, for Christmas. But I remember thinking, first of all, I remember thinking that the menus were, like, the slickest thing I'd ever seen. Just the, how quick they were and how snappy it was. I know that that's, like, a super nerdy thing to think about, being an 8-year-old. <laughs> but the game was way too fast for my stupid mind to comprehend after going off of N64. I loved the game. I thought it was graphically beautiful and everything. I loved, like, the Donkey Kong levels with the waterfall and everything like that. Samus was my main back in the day because I could do a Kamehameha. <laughs> uh, so I continued <laughs> so I continued with Samus into Melee as well, but uh, I didn't I played this game strictly at friends houses growing up. I didn't own this game until high school. I got it for free from a mutual friend of ours. He gave me a GameCube, he gave me Melee and Sunshine for free. Who's it? Pan free? That was yeah. <laughs> that was the greatest trade of my life cuz I didn't have to give him anything for it. <laughs> that seems like a pan fruit trade. Yeah, he's just like, here, I don't need this. So I'm scared to know where he got it from. <laughs> but uh, I still have my copy, the copy he gave me. It works pretty well. Sometimes it freezes, which is great. But anyway, that would be that would be my that was my earliest memory was playing at Christmas of 2000 and uh, Christmas of 2001. And then 
playing at a friend's houses completely through school, and my main, yeah, was Samus. Nowadays, though, my main, as you all know, is Yoshi. Classic. So, Dan, what would you, what, what are your memories of this game back in the day? Similar to you, I did not have a GameCube growing up. I had the N64 version of Smash that I played to death. Um, one day, my brother, Braden, he went to uh, to the mall, and he, 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 I think he sent me a text through our dad or something. I don't know. And he was just like, Daniel, there's a new Smash Bros. game, and you can play as Bowser. And I was just, <laughs> this blew my mind. Like, I... <laughs> I, I saw the depths of the galaxy for a moment. I was uh, just completely blown. I couldn't have imagined a new Smash game adding Bowser. And so like you, I would play it at friend's house. But I didn't um, I didn't own a GameCube until, Neil, I believe it was you who gave me a GameCube. You're just like, I see I see you have none and you need one. Here you go. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was the pan- that was the, that would have been the GameCube that Panthery gave me. He gave me the GameCube, a controller, and a few games. And yeah, I try and spread the love of GameCube as far and wide as I possibly can. So I'm glad that I could give it to a good home. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so and my, so my experience with with Melee truly began around 20, 2011, 2012. Uh, and that was strictly from watching competitive. I, I, I fell in love with watching like the competitive scene, and so I I got into it a little bit before they started doing the uh, I don't know if you guys know Evo the mm-hmm. the yeah, fighting game championship. Yep. Mm-hmm. So Melee's community has always been grassroots, and um, it was kind of hitting a like a, a slump at this point. Uh, and then two things happened. You had the Smash documentary come out, which like talked about its entire history of a grassroots community and all the storylines. It's amazing. I would recommend watching it. But uh, they pushed for e- to get Melee into Evo. And Evo did this thing where it's just like, oh, donate to the game you want to see be in, in Evo this year. I think it was 20, 2013, I want to wow. say. Yeah. And and so the Melee community showed up and like donated and like crowdfunded and got got the game into the tournament and then uh melee just exploded in popularity as a competitive sport like esport from then on and then i i got my gamecube from you and uh i f- i found a crt tv <laughs> you know we know <laughs> uh for those of you who don't know um if you play melee and other you know games on that you know are a av cable on like a hdmi kind of tv uh you kind of get input lag and so to play like Melee properly, you need to lug your your big old <laughs> CRT television to, yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> kind of have to pilgrim your way. I didn't know about the fact that that the competitive scene really exploded uh, around early to like 2012, 2013. Same, because I, I obviously there was like you said, there's lots of grassroots kind of movements and sectors, I guess, within communities who were really big into Melee. I remember at I don't know if you guys remember, but people would play Brawl and Melee in the cafeteria sometimes at Arendelle. Uh, I we remember were, that. Yeah, when I we were, too. like, I guess in grade 9, grade 10, they would have the TV set up and there would be just a bunch of these nerds playing. <laughs> playing. <laughs> and uh, I, I always thought it was cool. But And I obviously knew, like, my friend Nathaniel, who's going to come on, he was big into the competitive scene even before before then. And I... I just knew stuff through him, but obviously the competitive scenes were very localized, right? It's like Toronto has its own, you know, competitive scene who would play at ANC games or something like that. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting to know that like that was that there's an actual, I guess, time frame catalyst that really made this game explode completely. I had no idea that this game was 
so competitive and that it, it took that long to really take off like 12 years after the launch of the game that's when mm-hmm. the competitive scene really was brought into the into the fold with with evo and and now it's every year you hear about it on the same level with street fighter and tekken and all those games for me smash bros is, has always been a party game like you that's how i treated the game i never thought of it as competitive it was just you know you go to a friend's house you play mario kart you play Smash Bros, you go swim in the pool, and then you go. Like that was, you know, that was basically what it was. It was not something that you take seriously or that you play for thousands of hours and win thousands of dollars in. It was just a game that you play with your friends, you pick random items, random stages, and then you you laugh and have a good time, which is how we pretty much play it now as friends. I know, Dan, you go to tournaments and things like that, but even now with the new games and every every game that came out after this one, it's always been a game to bond over instead and not a game to cry over. <laughs> Well, I mean, they're not actually mutually exclusive. Like, my my experience in the tournament scene was, like, really great because everyone that, I, at least this is, like, Toronto, Mississauga area, um, everyone was very, like, understanding and, like, very passionate about the game. Like, that's something about this community that's, like, like what keeps it so strong is, like, that passion that the, the, the people in it have. And they, 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 they just want to see people improve and like they're, they're very patient and, oh, you need help with this tech skill? Try this. And like mm-hmm. even during tournament, they were very open to, to talking. Yeah, it, it is a really nice, like, let's say, I guess one word, a nice competitive scene uh, almost. I mean, there is like, the, like to any community, there can't like is uh, like a toxic element. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. But, but like. Yeah, especially when it's at like the grassroots level, like it's like everyone was kind of like there's obviously rivalries. It, feel, it, it feels like it feels like wrestling rivalries. How like yeah, mm-hmm. there's rivalries and there's there's all that, but it's all it's kind of almost dra- dramatized. The rivalries are real, but the level of how serious the rivalries are is kind of amped up to a f- like almost like a fake degree, and. It does feel like watching wrestling when you watch Smash Bros. tournaments, like watching the audience, people getting into it, people making signs and cheering for their favorite players. Like it, it, it's kind of like tongue in cheek. Like we know that it's not serious, but we're gonna still treat it like it's serious. So that's probably the best comparison I could come up with. Because then you referenced that's that documentary. <laughs> you referenced the documentary, the the Smash Bros. documentary. I had it on the other day, and it, it's really in depth. I think it's like a four hour documentary too. It's it long. Nine yeah. episodes, thirty minutes apiece. Okay, four and a half hours then, yeah, or nine, yeah, four and a half episodes. Math. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, holy crap, this is meaty. I didn't watch the whole thing, but um, yeah, uh, I couldn't believe it. Just watching the fans, and it felt like watching wrestling. You you absolutely tapped into a parallel that is, is <laughs> pretty remarkable because in in melee, like, there's so much narrative. Like, you had you know the time where it was like an MLG sport, and you had people like. Azen, Chillin, and like, and Ken, who were like the top of the game, and people were kind of, and then like eventually you had like the five gods of melee, who were like just above and beyond everyone else at the time, and it was like a string of like seven years or so where like only the gods of melee would take a like the tournament, and we're seeing now like all the player base getting better, and so it, like there's so much space for like cool narratives, and obviously it gets hammed up to a degree because that's just the personalities of the people. But it's it's pretty it's pretty interesting to watch. There's even a meme like th- <laughs> that Melee is scripted <laughs> just because of just because of how much like 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 fun storylines that like end up coming out of it just because everyone's passionate. Yeah. And... So one thing, one like comparison as well, I guess we can talk about uh, something that makes Melee a very different scene and a very different game 
is the fact that this game is inherently broken. There's a million different glitches. There's so many things that you can do to kind of have an advantage over someone by knowing so much about the technical aspects of the game. And I don't, I can't think of any other game that is like this. And I think that is actually what breeds camarader camaraderie because you're all getting screwed over by the same game, by the same bugs. And somehow, I don't know how, but somehow people find new ways to play this game and new ways to win every year. Yep, the, the meta has developed so much in like the 19 years of this game being a thing. It, it's, it's, it's actually pretty, pretty impressive to watch. Mm -hmm. And as you said, like there's, there's the amount of like tech that has come from like small glitches and things within the system has given this game so much depth and so much to work with. Such an unintended effect, which I love. It yeah, absolutely uh, like some things are like intended like um, wave dashing and sure. wave landing. Some of those things are like sure you have an intended mechanic and worked used in a quirky way kind of thing. But yeah, no, there's there's just a lot of depth, and I think that's why people care about it so much because there's so much room for expression in yes. your comboing, mm -hmm. especially as a platform fighter. Because like I I love fighting games. I I respect fighting games. But like you know, it's the difference between all right. I know my combos and like I've got a bit of a mental game versus like. My combo can be anywhere on the stage, and depending on where in the stage, I have to like you know, kind of think a different way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, there's just there's so much depth. Yeah. I love this game. I'll <laughs> <laughs> do. I'll do. And, and, and of course, and just just to like the level of how technical the game gets, and how great these players are, just watching them with the controller going nuts with their fingers and everything like that. I saw that the average uh, professional Smash player will input seven button prompts a second or something like that when they're playing. When you watch it, it's on a, com it's on a completely different level watching a pro player against someone like, say, me. I'm terrible at, at melee. <laughs> I'm very slow. Uh, I tried to go back to it. I haven't played it in years. Like Seriously, I tried to go back this week. And as I said, Yoshi's my guy in the new game. And I went back to play Yoshi in this game. I don't know if this is already a known fact, but Yoshi is terrible in this game. Uh, at least to, for me, I can't play Yoshi in this game. I, I switched over to somebody like Mario or Falco is way more accessible. Um, but I don't know if, it, Dan, maybe you can speak to more of this. I know that in the later games like Brawl and, and the new Super Smash Bros. 4 and 5, there's been banned characters and stages, of course. Maybe could you speak to any of anything that's banned in Melee in tournaments? Because... When when these tournaments happen, usually there's a very strict set of rules that you can't play on certain stages. You have to play the game with a certain number of stock, time, things like that. Yeah, so, like, when when the game started in basements, like, every stage was legal. And then, like, eventually it was, like, you know, Hyrule Temple is, like, uh, is banned for obvious reasons. You know, the weenie the hat one. junior at the bottom. <laughs> um, and then, so for most of Melee's history, you still had, like, Poke floats, uh, like <laughs> yeah, you had you had poke floats, um, Brimstar depths, and like a, a like a Pokemon City and Corneria. You had a bunch okay. of those stages, and eventually, like they got whittled down because of you know the weeniness of it. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, what you said about the the movement um, and and knowing the game, it, it, you're right. It's like playing a different game because the by using the the tech skill, your movement like exponentially increases like mm -hmm. and that's a part of that what makes the game so beautiful is just like how much freedom you have to operate in the game mm -hmm. uh when you get to that like technical proficiency uh so yeah if you're playing without like the tech skill versus someone who has it you'll you'll probably get four stocked like every time if, if it's like <laughs> someone who has it down 
Um, and then to your Yoshi point, there is a, a Japanese player called Amsa who is amazing. He plays a red Yoshi. Um, and this game is still getting like tech for different characters. Like obviously there's a tier list. You have like Fox, Puff, Marth near the like the top. And then you have like Falco Sheik. and like eventually Sheik or well, Captain Falcon, that kind of thing. You'll find a player who like absolutely loves a character and then it pushes that character a bit further. Um, which is what we saw with like Axe playing Pikachu. Wow. Uh, obviously some characters like Bowser, like you just, <laughs> there's no <Yeah>. redeeming, <laughs> there's no redeeming certain characters. Like you can have some fun jank and whatnot, but like they're technically limited in that regard. But yeah, there's like still space for like these characters to grow in a meta. Mm-hmm. That, that's crazy that even, like like you said, 19 years of competitive gameplay, just by switching up the characters with certain physical people playing the game would completely unlock di characters' different abilities and different movesets. Without patches. Ever... Yeah, without patches. Yeah. You're patching the game with just by letting different people play it. Yeah, which isn't is, that crazy? That's so weird. You know, those all those glitches, all those things, all those tech, like small things that... that occur in melee right now if that was released today they would all be fixed within you know a couple weeks yeah like like imagine if let's say ea put out a shoot an online shooter and people say man this game's broken these guns are overpowered or these guns are underpowered or, or whatever imagine if ea's statement was uh, let other people play it and we'll we'll see the game get good like that <laughs> that that's unbelievable you mike you're right they would just patch that game in a second put out an apology yep. no i I'd, i would argue that melee is the most unique game uh that that exists today wow let's talk about knack 2 <laughs> other than knack 2 <laughs> okay <laughs> i i have a couple things i want to talk about we're going to go back to the competitive scene uh shortly but i do want to talk about some things with the game itself i want to just talk about from start to finish let's talk about the animation sequence at the beginning oh yeah that's i mean for me as a kid seeing that animation sequence was amazing and really pumped me up obviously i was like oh my god look at this thing and as an adult yep. going back to it i mean i've you know played the game many times in the last 19 years but i often skip the animation sequence because you know <laughs> i've seen it but see i uh, watching it again it is gorgeous it is amazing and it is so ahead of its time the graphics look unbelievable it's so smooth I've been watching a lot of bad video games in preparation for next week's unplayable episode. <laughs> so I know what I know what the graphic quality is on GameCube, PS2, and Xbox. And the animation sequence for this blows everything that I've seen out of the water. And then I read some more about the sequence itself. So it was more of a last-minute add-on because they wanted to focus on the GameCube's superior hardware to the N64. And so they asked HAL Laboratories to make this animation uh, sequence to kind of pump up the game and also just show like look look what the gamecube can do everyone buy a gamecube yeah. <laughs> it turned out just absolutely beautiful and i'm i'm so so impressed 19 years later visually and also audio yes like, their music tracks oh. for for melee blows my mind mm. how they're able to get that on a gamecube game this was the first ever time that we saw any sort of a hint of what amiibos would become. You, the the video starts with Mario, a Mario amiibo, mm -hmm. kind of toppling over, and then he becomes real Mario. And then the the segment starts with you see all the characters in the game in their own little uh, environments, I guess. Um, this, it's the first time that you ever see a 3D Metroid uh, sequence with Samus fighting Ridley. Oh, true. Very the, true. Yeah, because Prime's yeah, this, not out yet. Right. This is before Prime. There was no 3D. There was no 3D Metroid game on N64. So that was mind blowing for me back in the day as well. And 
this game introduced 11 new characters from the roster on N64. This game had a total of 25 characters, 26 if you count Zelda slash Sheik. But when I was a kid, I had no idea who Ice Climbers were. I didn't know who Roy and Marth were. I didn't know what Game & Watch was. This game is like the gateway drug for Nintendo games. You all of a sudden find out about franchises you had no idea existed. So did you guys, what what were the characters in this game that you guys had no idea existed until playing Melee? Marth and Roy, for sure. Marth and Roy, yeah. And I believe... That's the big two. Roy is in Path of Radiance, correct? That's his debut? I thought that was Ike. Oh. One of them is from something. Zaffer. Yeah, Zaffer. <laughs> I'll look into. It. I'll look into it. Keep going. I'll look into it. Yeah, that yeah, hadn't come going. out yet. Yeah, you look into it. Yeah, but yeah. So those two, I had no idea. Ice climbers as well. The the meme is is Ness, right? Like uh, Earthbound fan plays Earthbound <laughs> for the first time. <laughs> but see, I knew Ness because of the N sixty four version. That's the only reason I knew him already. And someone point, and then someone immediately pointed out to me. It's like, oh, it's Ness. It's NES. He was, and I don't think they knew about Earthbound. I think they just thought that he was like a a, a characterization of the NES. Yeah. And to like me, Rob. yeah, like Rob. Yeah. Yeah, and then obviously there's Mario characters, and I remember Bowser being in that. It's funny that that was like Braden's <laughs> like go to is the fact that you could play as Bowser, and I, I, it took me like a second when you were just talking about that. I was like, Bowser, like couldn't you not play as him before but yeah you're right bowser's not in the uh in the first one but i mean i don't know for me i didn't care <laughs> i feel like yeah, melee pretty... definitely set the standard for like what a smash game should have slash be oh because yeah sure. as you said like you know bowser's something we take for granted now but yeah when a melee came out it was just like you get to play as bowser and ganon what is going on yeah yeah the ice ice climbers has got to be the weirdest one that's got to be the absolute weirdest one to put in this game Sakurai must be thinking, he's like, why are they telling me to put this guy in here? Because at this time, Sakurai didn't have, uh, he didn't have full kind of control over the roster or over the decisions. He was kind of just, was that right? yeah, he was just the director of the game, but he didn't have the say that he does now or the say that he did starting with Brawl. Um, I don't know if you want to edit this in or not, but uh, so Roy was, uh, he was introduced in Fire Emblem and Fire Emblem, the Blazing Blade, which is a terrible name. <sighs> Uh, that did not come to Game Boy Advance in North America until 2004. So this was actually Roy's first appearance. That's that's okay. So I, I was on the right track. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As as are there any others that we didn't mention, Dan? That uh, that you want to talk about? Uh, Game and Watch. I didn't know what to think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. And I still don't know. So <laughs> <laughs> it continues to this day. Uh, and then Dr. Mario, I was kind of like, oh, that's neat. I've oh, yeah. That. that Okay, actually, good point. Yeah, Dr. Mario. So that's an interesting one because – so that's a character who has one or two games, correct me if I'm wrong there, Neil, that both came out in the early 90s? Uh, yeah, the, that, Dr. Mario was a late NES game. It came out right at the end of that life cycle. It might, have, it might even have come out after the SNES came out. It's just Tetris. I played it before. It's a little different than Tetris to be okay. Poyo, it's more like a Poyo Poyo. Let's not it's piss like... off the Dr. Mario fan, Mike. You already pissed off the N64 group. Don't <laughs> yeah. don't go over to the. I'm a huge Dr. Mario is a close second for me in terms of puzzle games. I love Tetris is my favorite one. It's a late NES game. It was ported to the Game Boy, which was a terrible port because there's no colors on the Game Boy. Yeah, how would you, how would that work? It's uh, all about the colors. You have to match the the colors. Yeah, the the pills were me slightly stress. different. <laughs> yeah, the Game Boy had only four shades of puke green, so each pill had slightly different 
the pills are. I, I'm I'm gonna end up explaining how Doctor Mario works. <laughs> just, uh, just just end it. Just stop it there. Just stop it. Yeah. There. Okay. Anyway, the the gate like the animations look like beautiful, but there's obviously some really funny ones. Like uh, <laughs> if you've ever dashed as Bowser, <laughs> <laughs> he looks like tank. a tank, yeah. like just rumbling through tank Bowser. Uh, yeah, that's. That's the only animation thing that I could think of that I just absolutely. <laughs> so, adore. I wanted to talk a little bit, because this is a good segue with the characters. I wanted to talk a little bit about the characters that were supposed to be in Melee, so we can almost have our alternate timeline Melee Ooh, I like uh, that. discussion here. Okay. A famous one, obviously, is Lucas. They wanted to replace Ness with Lucas, mostly because no one knew who Ness was and because Mother 3 had just come out in Japan. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, Lucas was a natural choice to be in the game, uh, especially because of. The, I wouldn't say negative feedback, but just the what is this feedback from Ness? <laughs> the confusion. Yeah. Uh, I know there's also Solid Snake was supposedly supposed to be on here. DDD as well. And I believe Sonic could have had a, a chance to be in it, but uh, never happened. Uh, Dan, you probably know the most about this topic. I'm going to divert to you. What do you have to say? It's clear how much like work went into this game, and so obviously, the, like at some point, you need to kind of scale back mm-hmm. Sakurai because that man <laughs> is just like a, an absolute genius. And uh, I can I can kind of cut in yeah, here. I mean, yeah, with, with the with, with the four characters that you said, I think three of those make it into Brawl, right? Minus Sonic. Sonic was Smash Four, right? When after Bandai Namco, Sonic was Brawl. Sonic's in Brawl. Okay, so all four of those games made uh, all four of those characters made it to Brawl. Mm-hmm. So with this game, I think that the roster is almost perfect for where and when it came out. Agreed. I, I argue that Ness and Lucas, it wouldn't have mattered, at, the, at least in North America. Maybe in Japan, it definitely would have made a difference. But because we don't know who either of these characters were, really. No. Yeah. And, yeah. Unless you played Earthbound. Um, Sonic. Which we all did. Which we all definitely haven't yet. We're looking forward <laughs> to it, though. Uh, Sonic hasn't really migrated over to nintendo yet at this point so that would have been weird because the dreamcast was still well, it literally just died it just died yeah. so that would have been really strange to see <laughs> too <Sonic>. soon bro <laughs> yeah literally <laughs> too soon <laughs> yeah that might have been a little bit of like a red herring until what was about to happen with sonic and sega the sonic team approached nintendo asking if sonic could be in the game and Sakurai uh, responded with the development was too far ahead and it was almost done. So it w- at that time, he couldn't just make a new character and put him in. Yeah, and you can argue that it was too soon for Roy to be in the game, but that's a Nintendo franchise, so I can see how he made it through the line. That That's what I was going to say. Was was It feels like it was almost too late for some of these newcomers. Like It, was, it feels like it was too late for Ice Climbers at this point. Ice Climbers was a game that was met with mixed reviews on the NES and then it didn't have anything else after that. We still haven't seen a new Ice Climbers game. So I'm not sure why they picked those characters to be honest. And then there was also Game and Watch which was even earlier than the NES which had no it hasn't been around since before the NES. It just had the handheld games that were it was released on. It's iconic. They're both iconic characters in the Nintendo pantheon of characters, but Ice Climbers is not iconic. But Game and Watch no. is just because of the uh, the actual Game & Watch as well, and the history that's associated with it. Yes. Uh, Nint- uh, Game & Watch is iconic with Nintendo, for sure, in their history. Ice Climbers are iconic because of Smash Bros., not because of their franchise. Yeah, oh, exactly. Yeah, no, that's, that's, what I'm, that's what I'm saying, is that like it makes no sense. I feel like they were brought in, well, A, because they're, they're like novelties, right? You have a, a 2D character in a 3D game. You have a, a character that you have, like, you control two people. Like, they're novelties, but they're also kind of like nods to, like, the history. Yeah, I think Game & Watch was definitely one of his choices, for sure. 
like because i know yeah like you said he has a definitely a soft spot for that nintendo history i always joke that that melee is like the graveyard for for all these franchises for all the the yeah. all the dead franchises that nintendo had that never made it like f-zero or like ice Rob. climbers you know things yeah. like that that's funny and well, even like f-zero is a travesty yeah. like that, should, that should obviously get some love so dan i can't remember if you said who would you say your main is in super smash bros melee or do you oh, have Marth. one Marth. okay <laughs> Marth. right away Marth. <laughs> obviously every character in like smash ultimate plays differently but like because of like the level of like tech involved that it kind of scales in melee I've, I've got one character that i can play and everyone else i i, I play like a toddler <laughs> <laughs> that's the beauty of this game is the fact that anyone can pick up any character and somehow make them into this competitive character like you were saying about the japanese guy with the red yoshi certain outliers yeah like <laughs> yes. roy yeah roy uh zelda like all these characters have like little niche things that they can do but like a fox will just like jump out and shine you off stage and you die <laughs> and it's just like oh well i couldn't do anything <laughs> uh now i see that uh my good friend nathaniel rubin has just joined us on this uh podcast nathaniel how are you i'm great how are you guys good good hey nathaniel nice to meet you well did you guys Two disembodied voices. About roy. did you guys hear that roy actually won an online tournament uh, a couple of weeks ago? yes zane <laughs> yeah that was amazing the whole community was like just uh, up in arms about that. Remember how I was yeah. talking to you guys about how like it the like the scale of like how good you are at this game is insane. Yeah. So like the thirtieth to twentieth best players like have a really hard time against like the twentieth to fifteenth, and then between like fifteen to ten is like astounding levels of difference in skill, and then like the top ten are like their own little category. So like Zane is arguably top ten now. And uh, he was able to use Roy, one of the worst characters, and take an online tournament. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Which is, like, yeah. That's crazy. Oh, yeah, it's so true. The skill ceiling in this game is just incredible. Like, um, I was even watching recently some computer-assisted videos where they kind of oh, show what, like, what, like, a character is capable of in that game. And um, it's so cool to watch. It's amazing. And so that's the thing. is like, you're constantly striving to be able to be that good but there's so many interactions in the game so many technical things that you can do that you end up you know you strive for perfection but you're never able to actually get there <laughs> that's why you got mm. people at the top that have been playing for like 10 plus years or basically since the game came out because there's still much more cool stuff to, to happen and be discovered yeah that's what's that's what makes this game so unique you know and it's like i was just saying before you got on there there's no other game that exists today that's like that like it just it can't and especially in the competitive scene every competitive game whether it's fighting whether it's like madden or things like that they're all you know it's you only have you know a certain amount of things that you can do to get better and you reach that point and that's it and where melee there's always like there's always another backdoor into like finding out how to play a character better creating a new moveset exactly because who knows in a few years we'll get someone like amsa who came out of nowhere with that one character and just like mm. makes us kind of like realize that this character is totally viable and uh, pretty scary. <laughs> you you guys mentioned Roy and Yoshi uh, being uh, characters that aren't seen as much. Are there any other characters that stick out to you guys as being just you know bottom tier characters? Uh, definitely, but you know I'm going off of just like tier lists and whatnot. I mean it's clear when you play, but it's well known that some of the worst characters are like Bowser, Kirby the character that sold Dan on the game, which was knowing that Bowser is a playable character, which was mind-blowing at the time, is actually one of the worst characters in the game. 
event like obviously at the beginning maybe it was a bit more of a toss-up but like once the tech skill developed for like certain characters it is just yeah no no comparison <laughs> but it's kind of cool that they have uh characters like that like you got roy and bowser and so if you were to play someone that's say like way less good at you at the game you kind of have this like handicap built in where you can like mm. play roy and you're kind of like fighting them with a wet noodle instead of like <laughs> mars actual sword and so you can you can still like really just try to outplay the person and you're only rewarded like a little amount but i think it's a really cool like kind of built-in handicap mm-hmm so uh, we were we were just going over some of our mains, and Dan mentioned his main was obviously Marth. Uh, Nate, do you have a uh, what 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 would be your main in melee? I guess my main would be Sheik. Okay, um, but I play so much and have so much fun with it that I I play Spacey's quite a bit. Fox and Falco, mm. Fox, Falco, and Sheik are my favorite. Nice. Yeah. 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 Fox probably the most popular character. Any of you guys play Fox? <laughs> No, he's too fast for me. I'm I'm very slow when it just in so many ways. Um, but <laughs> I remember when I heard that Fox was like the player to play as, and he's the greatest and so fast. I just kept on zooming right off the stage because I couldn't control him. So <laughs> yeah, the same here. Yeah, like <laughs> the only fighting this... games where you can actually kill yourself. Yeah, good point actually. But it's still funny, even when you kill yourself. It's one of these games where it's like, oh, it's it's funny when it happens because it's at the end of the day, it's a it's a party game. Um, but yeah, I was saying to Mike and Dan, my main in the new games, at least is usually Yoshi. And I tried to go back to him in this game and it doesn't work well. <laughs> so <laughs> I think nobody, like I can't play Yoshi. I pick up Yoshi and yeah, no. just like I shield and then you can't, you can't like get out of shield and, or jump out of shield. I don't think in the waves that other characters can. So you kind of just get stuck there. Uh, yeah. Spaghetti. Head, like how are you supposed <laughs> to play this character? But if you actually know what you're doing, you can implement like a lot of different cool techniques, like double jump cancel and stuff like that. And you start being able to fly around the stage like Amsa does. <laughs> mm. Please, please, at some point later, like go watch Amsa doing like tech skill on platforms because it's <laughs> okay. it's exactly as Nathaniel describes, just flying around the stage. All right, cool. Yeah, that'll be funny to watch. I'm writing that down in my notes. I'm gonna check that out. That's gonna be funny. One of the most beautiful things about this has to be that they never even intended people to take it that seriously. They kind of just put a physics engine and some characters together and it ended up being that if you put enough time into it, you could like move like so cool and slick in this game and so fast. And like, you know, they never intended people to pick it up as a fighter, but mm -hmm. it ends up being like one of the most deep uh, and interesting and long lasting fighting games. Like so cool. So I guess to go off of that what are your first memories in terms of the competitive scene of this game so because i remember i remember our, our first memories of it because i used to come over to your house you know, and I play have, this it's game. funny i have memory of that as well <laughs> i don't i don't have a great memory but i remember playing smash with you and maybe a couple of our other friends yeah and then we used to um, bring it to the cottage soon play exactly that's where i remember <laughs> doing it in fact um yeah i played a ton as a kid and um even by the end of it was kind of like you know, I turned items off and would and would do a little bit of a competitive thing, like go to Final Destination and, and take it a little seriously, like try to beat my friends who are kind of good at it as well. And developing like or uh, learning about little techniques like short hop and L canceling, I think on my own. And then uh, obviously stopped playing it probably like by the time the Wii came out, something like that. And then when I went to university, I met uh, a couple guys, turned out that they played Smash Bros, like the guy that lived next to me. And I was immediately just like all in, like, oh, you guys play this competitively? Like, I'd love to play some more. Like, I thought I was pretty good too, but um, yeah, they were able to to beat me pretty easily. 
but um it was around university that i started playing and i haven't stopped since yeah that is the crazy thing with this game where you'll you'll play for you know however many years with just yourself and or friends or whatever and you know you, you think you're the best of your friends you think you're pretty good you are like, oh yeah it's like i can hold my own and then you play someone who is just just destroys you you know just the like uh forest oxy or whatever and uh then you think to yourself it's like this guy's not even competitive this person's not even like playing in competitive scenes and they this just guy's getting forced off by the, <laughs> by the next guy yeah exactly right <laughs> and, and it's it's one of those few competitive games that's really comparative to sport in that sense you know like if you're if you're a hockey or baseball player or whatever, you know, you, you think that you're you're decent, you know, you can throw a good fastball or whatever, and then you face off against someone who's just miles better than you, and you know that they're not even close to a pro level. And that's how I feel with Smash. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's almost like mm-hmm. you can dedicate your life to this. Like, that's how deep and interesting it is, kind of like a major sport, you know? I mm-hmm. usually see with a lot of other fighting games, I think people, they tend to move on to the next one when it comes out. And uh, Melee's just got that dedicated fan base. Yeah, we were talking about how the first time that it got to evo was 2013 dan i think you were saying it it was in evo for like 2007 and then brawl came out and everyone like kind of jumped ship for a little bit and then 2013 is when it came back for like it was actually a really really five years behind that uh Mm. when they were able to get into evo like i think they raised like 97,000 as a community to be able to participate now, I, I, there is a funny story. I don't know if you guys have heard it in 2015, because Evo's in May, I believe. Uh, they So Melee was supposed to be one of the main games at Evo, and Nintendo begged them. They begged them. They said, please, guys, we have this new game. It just came out, Smash 4. <laughs> please, please play this game. And they brought it into to Evo, but it wasn't on the main stage. And and Melee, this this fifteen or fourteen year old game at the time, beat out its competitor, which was the Nintendo's new version of the game, which I just think is the funniest thing and just sums up Melee in a whole. Yeah, no, you're, you're absolutely right. I wish Nintendo would pay attention to that because, like, <laughs> it's just like you you made something so beautiful, like unintentionally. But it's not a party game like now. And so like he's so, he's so salty for the people who enjoy it the most that still play. He's like the people who really appreciated this game the most. He just has no appreciation for you. It's like Nintendo as a company, like you know, it's mm-hmm. slow to change kind of thing. Uh, yeah, but I don't even know if they o- intend over to the years. Like it's just gonna be. I guess you know now that Ultimate's out, I think they're doing a little bit more competitive. Uh, I take it back. Yeah, slightly, yeah, slightly I, more competitive oriented. We're softening them out. <laughs> I think it would be, I think it would be smart of them to try and maybe split this franchise up into the competitive scene and the party scene. The people like me that just want to play it a few times a year with friends, like maybe don't try and make Smash Bros. Ultimate a competitive thing. Like keep Melee as your competitive, almost like a cash cow. Like you're never going to make sales on Melee anymore because you can't buy a GameCube. Surprise! Give us an <laughs> Melee, HD Melee release. HD? <laughs> Maybe, but I don't think I don't think you can remake this game. I don't I don't think you can because you might if you change the slightest thing, the competitive community will revolt it and they won't use it. So they'll just go back to using their tube TVs and their game cubes, which I'm assuming is what they do in these tournaments. But I th- I think it would be smart for Nintendo to just market their new Smash Bros games going forward as you can play it competitively, but at these Evo tournaments, which the majority of the gaming communities, like the majority of gamers, people that play games, don't actually watch those. So you might as well be, you might as well pander to your audience of people that watch competitive fighting tournaments, which 
of the vast you know video game fans is a small subset of those video game fans mm, yeah that's that's fair might as well give them what they want <laughs> yeah and just put on melee yeah i i changes to the game is a whole thing for melee hd but let's say they released it without changing it at all uh, it mm-hmm. sounds like a lot of money if you ask me we're pretty popular um very popular purchase i i i agree i think that's the way to go because i I completely agree with Neil in the sense that if you made a whole new like a uh, melee remake, uh, it, it's it's a lot it's a lose lose situation. You're you're not you're not gaining the fans that you would want for like new Smash games, and you're losing the competitive fans in that sense who are just going to go back to playing the this the, the GameCube title. So I like Nate's idea of just yeah just uh make like the exact same game just and just port just port it yeah just yeah, port it yeah yeah you, mean, you'll yeah. make millions that way yeah. I mean, that's the incentive for the company, if you ask me. I don't even... Maybe there's some politics to it about the new game and them wanting people to only play that, but, like, I mean, geez, you'll make a lot of money. It's the Nintendo way, too, right? Like, there's one thing that I thought was interesting. So, another, you know, Melee holdover is the GameCube controller. Of course, you know, this this podcast is all about the GameCube. (laughs) (laughs) And it's... I thought this was a Nickelback podcast. (laughs) 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 <laughs> and it's it's so crazy how this you know this controller has lasted so long and because literally because of this game it's only been recently that Nintendo has acknowledged it as the GameCube controller so I don't know if you guys remember when they brought the like when Smash 4 came out and they, the Smash uh, controller the, yeah they, so the yeah the official wow. name for the controller and the official <laughs> name for the dongle was called the Smash 4 controller and the Super Smash Bros uh, like controller hookup whatever it's called game yeah the the word gamecube despite it being their trademark (laughs) was not used anywhere i think it would cause too much confusion though if they had something for the wii u that was also called the gamecube like it would uh, people you have to in retail you always have to appeal to the lowest common denominator and just for just for calling their sec their follow-up to the wii the wii u was a terrible idea (laughs) yes and that now to make it the Super Smash Bros. game for the 3DS and Wii U with the GameCube controller <laughs> adapter for the GameCube Wii U port. It's like, you can't you can't do that. You have to, I think they had to rename it just to a- avoid any more confusion. Otherwise, I can see why they would want to maybe call it the GameCube controller. But I have a question as well for, for everyone here. This is completely off topic. It's on Smash, so that's all that matters. But can someone here explain to me why they have the C-Stick movement in the menus and how it would go like kind of 3d you know what i'm talking about oh yeah, yeah it's like terrible like choice. the tilt <laughs> yeah the tilt why why did you know that why? exist because 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 one in four people have just a blast like rolling around <laughs> the stick and like that's they, they enjoy playing smash just because they get to like freaking annoy everybody else yeah that that was it's it's just an unnecessary thing to have in the in the menu system i don't know i don't know why <laughs> yeah i was playing around with it a little bit today too oh my god i could rant about the new menus though in like smash ultimate and stuff it just feels so clunky everything about yeah. it is awful so neil was saying how uh, the first thing that like grabbed his attention was the the menus in melee and how like crisp and click like clean it was and like the the music and the audio and everything it just with looked, it. it looked cool like it, it just i don't know how to explain it it just it it made sense i was 8 at the time when when i played this game and i just remember thinking like this is cool mm-hmm. i think the design totally holds up and aesthetically it's been my favorite smash game like remains to be mm-hmm. i found the the ones after mm-hmm. like brawl for sure and everything after that is just a little bit more cartoony and floaty and i really appreciate the slick uh dark 
style of melee. It's a lot cooler looking. Okay, so melee is your favorite. Dan and Mike is melee. Where where do you go? We don't have to rank the Smash Bros. games. Let's but let's if, do let's do a rank. Let's let's. I feel like we should do it. I feel like we owe it to our listeners to do our. You official guys aren't gonna rank. like mine, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> we we may edit out Neil's. We'll see what <laughs> what what it comes to. So I, I, so what is this based on? Like just everything. Just our favorite. Our our overall favorite. So just just for the just so that we know, we're ranking Super Smash Bros. Super Smash Bros. Melee. Super Smash Bros. Brawl, Super Smash Bros. 4, which was on 3DS and Wii U, and then Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. Uh, I can go first. So go for it. Mine would definitely be Melee at number one, Ultimate number two, N64 number three, uh, four number four, and then Brawl at the bottom of the barrel. Yeah, that's my list as well. Yeah. Okay, that's good. <laughs> I think that is absolutely fair for like you know competitive and and watching but like each of these games has like something that is special to them you know like even brawl competitive was like even brawl? pretty cool if you were in that <laughs> scene but like but like brawl had subspace emissary like if you're looking at a casual Adventure perspective mode? yeah okay yeah good point good point that good that point. was and like Omar. that would blew my mind <laughs> as, as like a kid you know good point yeah yeah, yeah. Other, I, other than that i agree with you like 100 percent. yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I guess i am looking at it too much of a competitive lens in we'll that do sense an, we'll do an adventure mode tier one <laughs> i did really like subspace uh that was a really cool part of the game uh and it, it, it made you feel like it was at least more of a story can I can I give can I give my ranking? <laughs> I didn't I didn't say mine. Yes. Oh yeah. Sorry. Go ahead, Neil. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So uh, full disclosure, <laughs> I'm not into the competitive scene at all. Um, I'm more into the party side of the game. So looking at it from another lens, from someone who's more of an outsider to the franchise, in terms of that, uh, I would rank the game. Ultimate is my favorite one, the newest game, um, followed closely by four because that game is basically ultimate without Banjo Kazooie. Uh, then Melee, uh, <laughs> then N64, and then Brawl at the bottom. I, I can't go back to Brawl. I, play, I played Brawl with Mike pretty much almost exclusively. That's, that's a game that I associate with going to Mike's house in high school to play. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I remember that's, that's what we played. Totally um, fair to, to put Ultimate as the first if you're not like weighing heavily on, on competitive scene. Although mm-hmm. I also put like the aesthetic involved and would still say melee just in general, but mm-hmm. I think ultimate, yeah, it's so much more approachable for people to. It's less for it's more forgiving mm-hmm. with every aspect of the game. I, um, I think it's a good mix between kind of all the games as well. You know, it's also a decent competitive like environment. I think there Pretty is interesting to watch. Yeah, yeah, um, yep. it it has its problems. Like there's, I think there's way too many characters in the game and stages. It's just it's too too much at times I, I would like to see them maybe trim it back a bit i'm looking at you fire emblem characters <laughs> what a what a uh, problem to have <laughs> yeah I, it's kind of like yeah it is like a complaining about having too much is definitely a first world issue um but i feel like it would be a lot tighter if maybe we could make some of these characters just echo fighters instead of their own thing mainly it's it's great i i love it i have very fond memories of it um, but I can't go back to it and play it easily. It's better than N64 just because it has more characters and everything. But yeah, Brawl, I can't go back to either. It's way too slow. I think it's time for Neil to read the back of the case. It's time to read what's on the back of the case. There's things written on the back of the case. Let's read them. And now we're reading the back of the case. Thanks, Victor. Um, <laughs> I'm excited. 
So as you guys, if you, for those of you that don't know, I read the back of the case of every box. It's an ongoing segment for this show. This is for Super Smash Bros. Melee. The All-Star Brawl is on. Nintendo's biggest stars are all here. Everyone's here. Duke it out with Mario, Link, Donkey Kong, the Ice Climbers, and many more. That's everyone. <laughs> the craziest four-player fighting game of all time returns for a frantic, fun-filled Nintendo GameCube Melee. Pick a classic character and enter the fray. A brand new adventure mode takes you through classic side-scrolling worlds like Mushroom Kingdom. Choose from over 20 stages and wage battles with tons of items like bubbles and the Super Scope. Tons of custom options await, each with a wild twist. Try playing Giant Melee for a gargantuan clash. Battle through a new coin match, fight for style points in bonus mode, or stage a tournament with up to 64 players. Unlock cool game secrets, take on event mode and fight through specific battle challenges. As you play, collect nearly 300, I was going to say 1,000, uh, detailed trophies of characters and items from throughout Nintendo's history. They just read what's on the back of the case. There's words written on the back of the case. They just read them. And that's what's written on the back of the case. Just for Mike a minute. Hang on, hang on. So, yeah, I like my case opening mm, ASMR. Crisp. <laughs> it's not new. So does, is there anyone in the world who plays coin? I was about to say, not so much the coin thing, but, like, there's dedicated communities to, like, the break the targets, like, oh, yeah. stuff. Yeah. Like, that's all fun. the little, like, the all, the, uh, what are you, the home run bat contest? Sure, yeah, like, that's great. Mm -hmm. Like, there's so many, like, facets of this game that people get really, like, about, and it's really cool to watch. Yeah, I just, sorry, I just, I just can't get over the coins that, that are still, that are Coin still mode. around in Ultimate, like. No, invisible melee? That's probably worse. <laughs> oh, <my God. laughs> but that's the party Nightmare. aspect of the game. It's just, it's just quirky. Like, you would never see that in a game nowadays. Yeah. It was for, like, for good reason. Was, yeah. <laughs> it might be some indie game where that is the shtick, where it's a fighter where you'd never see what the characters look like. <laughs> it's five ninety nine on Steam. Stamina mode's pretty cool. It's like turns it into a traditional fight aroma. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Points. Yeah, I, I was actually going to mention uh, the fact that melee and just smash in general is very unique in the fact that your health bar goes up rather than down. Right. You know, it's that's. Yeah, it doesn't make sense because they why they say percentage. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, explain explaining the game to a newcomer with, with in terms of damage and how to count lives is very awkward because it's like oh you start at zero percent and you work your way up. The higher per, the percentage, that's when you get knocked out. And they say oh so at a hundred percent I get knocked out. Not exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's hard like, to describe knock explain knockback in a in a, like a an intuitive manner. You're absolutely yeah. right, mm -hmm. and it's also yeah. so interesting that the fighter, the whole you know aspect of the fighters, it's just based on keeping people off and pushing them off the stage. It's kind of mm -hmm. weird that way, but yeah, well, yeah, we we mentioned how this is like the only game or really only fighting game yet like, that you can die that you can kill yourself in, <laughs> like <laughs> unless except for games that have kind of just been inspired off of this yeah yes yes yeah. yes it spawned a new genre the the uh the platform fighter right there's playstation all-stars which we all <laughs> we all remember that yeah. game <laughs> there are games that pop up on the eShop on switch every so often like maybe one or max two a year that look like uh super smash bros but you can tell the quality's not there but it's clear that they're just really blatant ripoffs of mm -hmm. smash bros there's a kirby game that came out on the, the 3ds towards the end of that console's life cycle which was basically kirby only smash bros 
which was really weird. Wait, that's really? wasn't that Ultimate Story Mode? <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, basically. Oh, um, yeah, that was like a Kirby game, which I don't know how well that sold. I never played it. Nah, but. Nah. What do we think the legacy of Smash is going to be in the next 19 years? Melee will still be played. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say yeah. something. You know, I wonder what, um, how many more Smash games as a franchise they're they're looking into. Um, mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like Ultimate kind of feels like it has an air of finality to it, but I don't think that will be. Who knows? Yeah, and it's it's hard to see, you know, what's gonna happen with it. I mean, Sakurai every single time is like, I'm not making any more, and then they're like, please make more, and he does. <laughs> but it's, you know, I could potentially see Ultimate existing for a long period of time just on dlcs you know just on on things like that uh you know may, with maybe you know six or seven years because you also have to remember that most of these games other than 64 to uh, gamecube most of these games have quite large like periods of time in between them yeah seven to six six to seven years since melee it was seven years until brawl six years to four and then four years to ultimate which the turnaround time for those two games was quicker because it was mostly a port. Mm -hmm. Be all right with the game existing as it is now as a platform game where, yeah, it's Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. It's on Switch. They'll release Super Smash Bros. Ultimate on the Switch 2, and it'll be the same game again with the same characters, and maybe there's more DLC. I know we already talked about Melee HD, but if that happened and, you know, not really continuing the... the saga of, of smash bros i think that would totally put like a kind of resurgence into the game and uh that would become the most popular one i think agreed um, yeah to keep the mm. legacy going but yeah but uh i think the i don't see melee slowing down um the scene i think people will keep playing it unless something in particular happens to change the, the way the things are going i don't see people leaving yeah, I think this all relates back to just the GameCube in general. A lot of these games that we're going to be talking about over the next, you know, however many episodes, a lot of these games have staying power with them. Uh, there's a great episode of Girlfriend Reviews, which I'm not sure if any of you guys have Love watched it. or seen. Love it. It's a really good channel. Definitely recommend checking out. So that's my little plug for them. But um, she, uh, the, the, the girl who is the girlfriend in it, who does all these reviews, it's mostly of her watching her boyfriend play these games, right? And so she has a really good episode on the GameCube. And she never grew up with any consoles. She's not a video game person at all. But as a third-party kind of perspective, she thinks the GameCube is the most interesting and the most lasting console that she's seen because it was doing something so different and so unique that... And, and really catering to the party and the social aspect of video games that PlayStation and Xbox uh, at the time were not doing at all. Because you don't really see a lot of people having that same nostalgia for Xbox or PlayStation 2 games that you have for GameCube games like Pikmin or Sunshine that we're going to be talking about soon, right? These are games that you just say the name Melee. It's like, oh my god. Like, anyone who knows anything about video games immediately their eyes light up it's like oh my god melee i remember playing that at my friend's brother's house you know when i was a kid it's i mean when you talk about legacy i think for me like i'll always remember the gamecube and melee as kind of like the most significant like such a such a big part of my my growing up and then now continuing into my like you know into my relationships with people like some of my best friends are that i play you know smash bros with them and that's how we connect mm -hmm. uh, amen uh, what, also one thing too to add is 
the melee at or like the the TV at the McDonald's play place that had melee on mm. it was always <laughs> that was always taken off every single time. There's always like yeah. ten kids. So there's a crowd around, <laughs> yeah. like people like throwing money down and stuff. <laughs> Yo, I bet this guy's gonna win. And I remember that's all I wanted to do that's was to I play melee. <laughs> Got my start in the McDonald's. Yeah, yeah. We... Like one controller would be damaged beyond belief. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god! Yeah, just... they would just be connected there. The yeah. C stick wrapping would just yeah. gone. Yeah. I would not play unless I could plug my own controller in. Not stepping in. There's there's something special about Smash, and I think we can all attest to it, right? Like, you kind of curate your own experience like there's something there for everybody like whether you're you're a casual and like strictly play it for like story or just like with your friends versus like competitive or any like little other like facet of the game uh there's something special about that yeah absolutely agreed well said well it's been amazing having both of you on the show uh we really appreciate your insight and feedback and everything that you've had to say about one of the best-selling uh games uh well the best-selling game for the nintendo gamecube Super Smash Bros. Melee, and yeah, it's so cool to be able to talk about it with you now. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's yeah. it's fun to it's fun to talk about something that you actually care about. <laughs> In the podcast at first, I was like, "What could I possibly have to add?" And then you said it was about Melee, and I'm like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> oh, I got you. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, both of you take care and uh, have a great day. You as well. Bye, guys. Well, that was nice to have those two guests on today for sure. Yeah, two lovely gentlemen uh, joining mm-hmm. us on there, Nathaniel Rubin and uh, Daniel Kerr, uh, two good friends and friends of the show. Beautiful young men. <laughs> um, before we do the closeout segment of the show, I had a brief segment I wanted to talk about. The, what I think about when I think of Melee mm-hmm. is uh, how how Laboratories, yes, which are the development team behind Smash Bros, uh, behind the first. Uh, three Smash Bros. specifically, um, N64, GameCube, and Wii. Um, of course, we know Masahiro Sakurai is the main brainchild behind the game. Uh, one thing I really like about the name, which I didn't know, was because each letter in HAL is one letter ahead of IBM. What? That yeah. is uh, really interesting. I Wow. Yeah, that's how they pick the letters. That's what it means. It's just each... I always each, thought it yeah. was a reference to um, uh, 2001 Space Odyssey. Yeah, that that would be what most people, I think, would turn to. And maybe sometimes they say that's what it is. But the, all the reading that I had said it was to stay one letter ahead of IBM. <laughs> that's so which, funny. Yeah. That's so I, I, cool. I like that better than yeah. 2000 Space Odyssey. No, did not know that. Yeah, so their most famous work, obviously, is on Smash Bros. But they also developed the Mother series, also known as Earthbound. And the Kirby series. Mm-hmm. Does Hal still have any kind of affiliation with making Smash Bros. games? I don't know. That's what I was trying to find out, was because you don't see that Hal logo anymore on the Smash Bros. boxes, do you? I guess not. No, with the dog with the eggs, yeah. Which um, is another thing that when I think of Smash Bros., I think of that logo, the dog with yep. the eggs. Same here. It's a very unique logo and kind of strange. It's very very strange. The, what it means is it represents, this is a quote, an unexpected bond, one that brings the birth of something new. Oh. So you don't expect a dog to be incubating eggs. So I guess that's oh, true. literally I never even what thought of that. Like the fact that no. the dog is, has eggs surrounding it. It's a really strange logo. And that, that I associate that specifically with Smash Bros and Melee. Yeah. Yeah. Same here. So HAL Laboratories. We owe many thanks to HAL Laboratories. Yeah. No, just incredible yeah 
um, just I'm just looking at the kind of the AAA games. So this is as we define it. This was the last AAA game of the year to come out. Uh, obviously, there you know Pikmin just came out before it, and we also had Luigi's Mansion. But you right. know that's a that's a solid that's a very solid lineup. You know, going into into Christmas into the holiday season, it's a great lineup considering that the GameCube came out about uh, what, November eighteenth, two thousand one. So it had really about two or three weeks to get as many games out as it could before the holiday season. Traditionally, big games don't release after Black Friday, mm-hmm. so you want to have all your games on the shelf for the Christmas rush. So to have three first party, great first party games and to have two or three second party games to support and then a myriad of sports games to also pad that lineup. It's, it's a really impressive feat to have all those games out before December, December, before December 3rd to have all those games out on the shelf. Um, Oh yeah. Incredible. It's, it's a great, great sign of how hard Nintendo is working to really push the GameCube, which is, also, it just makes it all the more sad to know what the result was with the console in terms of how it did. We didn't even say this, but we might as well do our quick little thing saying uh, if we should pick this up, yes or no. Yes. Yes, I think this is it's a best-selling game on GameCube. It's one of the greatest games of all time. Yeah, sales aside, reception aside, you know, what everyone says about it is, fu- is fine. This game is just fun. Like, it's just, I've never had more fun with friends than when we get together and play any of the Smash Bros. games, even the ones that I don't like as much. I have the most fond memories of playing Smash Bros. in kindergarten when the first one came out, playing this one in grade school with my friends mm-hmm. up until high school when we played mi- uh, Brawl. And then college when Smash Bros. 4 came out. So I don't think that you should ever miss a single Smash Bros. game on any console just no. because of, of just the memories that you're going to make with it. Playing it with people who don't like video games. Playing it with people who absolutely love video games. The game is expensive. So, I mean, if you can't pick up this one per se, I would recommend if you have any Nintendo console to find the Smash Bros. game on that console and buy it right away. And what was the average eBay price that you found for this game? At least $100. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, this game is not cheap. So, up next, episode 8, Unplayable, round 1, 2001-2002. This is going to be a really, really fun episode. This is just going to be me and Neil going over some of these awful, awful games uh, over the years. Some such as Universal Studios Theme Parks, Monsters, Inc., Scream Arena, Casper Spirit Dimensions. (laughs) Which, just looking at the titles, that was the one that I thought had the most promise, but you said is not. So it, it, Yeah, it's, it's these the are, controls. These are games that most people probably picked up because you got them as a gift from an aunt that might not have known you super well, or because you only had a few bucks left on a gift card that you had to get rid of. Or maybe you rented it from Blockbuster, luckily, and you didn't have to keep it. But I'm sure that, like every other game on the GameCube, someone somewhere has a fond memory of playing Universal Studios Theme Park Adventures. Yeah, yep. Um, and just, just to say a shout out, thank you to everybody who's following us on Instagram. You can follow us on the GameCube pod. Um, we post every week just to let you know that a new episode has launched. If you have any questions for us about the show, if you want to have your questions read on the air, we'd be happy to do that. So, you know, ahead of time, what the episode is going to be about. You can say anything about maybe a music question too, if you want, (laughs) it doesn't have to be GameCube related. Cool. Well, thanks again. And, oh, and thank you. We now have three over 300 downloads of this podcast which is just Yay. amazing really really happy with that and really excited to uh keep on going in uh many episodes to come so thanks yes. again thanks guys take care see ya GameCube. over 600 games you've never heard of GameCube. the product of what happens when you think inside the box GameCube.